Welcome to today's episode, which will likely deal with some dark topics and sometimes sweary words, so listener discretion is always advised. For ad-free and bonus episodes, click in the link in the show notes for exclusive content. You can support the show at buymeacoffee.com or by giving me a rate, writing a review, or subscribing to future episodes. And with all my marketing blah 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 out of the way, on with the show. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. A Million Other Choices is a true crime podcast. And as such, we do discuss some dark topics that might be triggering for some. As you are a true crime listener, I support you in your curiosity. However, having lost a family member to homicide, my message is always to remember not just the victims, but the families and friends left behind, and also the officers, detectives, and prosecutors that work tirelessly for justice. There are links to make monetary donations in the show notes, but more importantly, if you enjoy the podcast, please tell your friends and press that fifth star on your listening platform to help me grow the show. I hope you enjoy the following episode. Hello and welcome to A Million Other Choices. I am your host, Kim. Today's story is a case suggestion from Jennifer, and I'm really glad that she pointed me in the direction of this case because I don't think that it was one that I would have normally chosen on my own. Not because I don't think it's worth telling, but generally, when left to my own devices, I tend to choose domestic murderers or or children, as you've probably noticed. But as soon as I started looking into this case, I became very moved by not just this young man's death, but by his family, particularly his mom. She's just, I think she's just such a classy lady. And what she has done to move her community forward in peace instead of anger is quite remarkable. I couldn't find any other podcasts that have done this story, which for me is both exciting to do a less known case, but it also makes me wonder, why aren't people talking about this? This is the murder, not manslaughter, of Christian, a young man of Strathmore, Alberta. On March 10th, 1995, Christian, a young man, came into the world to his mum, Melody, and father, Larry Jr., and it was really quite a brood that it would turn out to be. After Christian was born, there were his many siblings. He had Dinette, Kihu, Donovan, Kenesha, April Rose, Kyler Rose, Emmett, and now I believe it's pronounced Dahaitaha. Uh, it's spelled D-A-H-Y-I-I-T-I-H-I. It's a difficult name to pronounce, but I think it's Dahaitaha. In addition to his siblings, Christian was adored by a plethora of extended family. He had aunts, uncles, multiple grandmother figures, and first and second cousins. The Youngmans are a Blackfoot family from Sasiska Nation. Sasiska is actually the Blackfoot word for Blackfoot, and although the Sasiska Nation 
boundaries of the Blackfoot Confederacy traditional territory are the Saskatchewan River to the north, the Rocky Mountains to the west, to the east where the north and south Saskatchewan rivers meet, and to the south the Yellowstone River, making it the second largest Canadian First Nation territory. The Sisiska Nation Reserve, with a population of about 7,800 people, is where Christian's family lived. It's just about 95 kilometers east of Calgary, just south of the Trans-Canada Highway. It's adjacent to the community of Gleeshan. Now, this area has special meaning to my family because we had a family cabin which was located on Sisiska land called Hidden Valley where my mom and my stepdad Ted spent their summers and because it was only about an hour outside of the city I would often take my kids there just for a weekend and it was where my family converged in the summers with my nieces and my nephew uh, including Taylor of course for barbecues fire pits they had a little beach that the kids could play on on a tiny little man-made lake and they had a little ice cream shop It was really the kind of place where childhood memories of summer are made. And to get there, you have to drive through the reserve land through Gleeshan. And we always knew when we were getting close because they have this blue colored bridge that was just outside the cabin area. So that blue bridge is just something that is forever ingrained in my mom, my sisters, her kids and my kids brains as a place of happiness and serenity. Unfortunately, it got flooded in the June 2013 massive floods that we had here and the entire area of Hidden Valley was wiped out, which my mom still doesn't like to talk about her disappointment over that. Anyways, the Sasiska Reserve is very close as well to the town of Strathmore, which is only about 50 kilometers east of Calgary, with a population of around 15,000 and mostly white people. And as Christian grew up, he was actually able to do something that a lot of First Nation kids aren't able to do. And that is to really toggle between essentially his traditional indigenous upbringing and the white world. He went to school in his early years on the Sasiska Reserve, but then went to Strathmore High School where he graduated and went on to be a heavy equipment operator, which is really hard work. So he grew up in the traditional teachings. He was a very athletic kid and loved sports and all kinds of sports. So not only was he an accomplished and champion at men's traditional powwow dancing, where he would dance every year at the Calgary Stampede Grandstand Show and even once performing for the Duke of Edinburgh and the Queen in 2007. If you have never seen traditional powwow dancing, please go and watch some of the memorial performances that were done virtually during COVID as a memorial for Christian, you can find them on YouTube. And if you just Google Christian, a young man, um, a number of these videos will come up. It's just such a powerful performance to watch with the drumming and just these incredible costumes that they wear. Anyways, in in addition to his traditional sport, he also had a passion for hockey and had dreams of going to the NHL. And that was a dream that was definitely not out of reach because he had played with the Strathmore Wheatland Kings and was currently playing for the Sasiska Buffaloes and had quite a few championships under his belt by the age of 24. And with his very humble, compassionate and respectful nature, which he had gotten from his family, He was a true gentleman and walked easily between the two worlds, making friends from all walks of life. He was considered a good kid on and off the ice, and when he talked, people really listened. On the early evening of March 17, 2019, Christian and some other former players of the Wheatland Kings played in an alumni game at the Strathmore Family Center Arena. After the game, Christian had a chat in the locker room with the team manager, Darcy Buslinger. 
about his job and his plans for the summer, and then Christian and some of his friends, Brooker Pretty Youngman, Riley McMaster, and Brianna Crawler, all wandered into the King Eddie pub in Strathmore for a couple of after-game drinks. And after a round of drinks, and I don't believe anyone was intoxicated. It was a Saturday night, but it was also after a long game and they all had jobs. So it doesn't sound like this was like a pub crawl. It was just a couple of pints of beer and a good chat with some friends. So as they were walking out, Christian was approached by a young man who was later identified as Cody Allen Geffen, 22, who asked him if he could buy his pack of smokes off him. Christian handed him his pack of cigarettes that was that had been opened, and he'd had a couple of them, but handed him the pack and Cody gave him a $20 bill. Now, if you aren't from around these parts, $20 for a pack of cigarettes may seem exorbitant, but the average price of a pack at a convenience store is $15. And if it's too late at night or you're too lazy to walk to a 7-Eleven, then $20 is probably about right. When Cody looked at the pack and saw that it was opened and a couple of cigarettes were missing, he flew into a rage and started making a bunch of racial slurs at the group. He was standing there and he was calling me names. And what did he say? He told me, "Go back to, go back to the the f-ing reserve, you f-ing dirty Indians. Like get the f- out of here." Like I was looking at him and I was like, "Are you serious? Like, like f you. Like don't talk to me like that. I'm like that's racist, right?" Now, the fight did get physical, and punches were thrown in both directions. Realizing that he was outmatched, Cody said he was was going to get his older brother, which probably resulted in a few chuckles from the group, but I don't know that for sure, so don't quote me on that. But I would have probably chuckled when some mouthy kid says he's going to go get his big brother to fight for him. So Cody took off for his brother's apartment building, which was only about 350 meters away. His brother, Brandon, was asleep in his apartment when Cody showed up pounding on the door that he'd been ripped off. Christian and his crew got into Brianna's Dodge truck. They figured with the altercation that they had just had that it was best to drop Riley off at his apartment rather than let him walk. So they did that. And Riley also lived about 350 meters away. Unfortunately, as it turns out, it was in the same apartment building that Cody's brother, Brandon, lived in. So another altercation broke out in the parking lot of the building. Brandon said, I'm going to get my gun, ran back into his apartment and came out brandishing a rifle, at which point Christian, Brianna, Brooker and Riley got back into Brianna's truck and took off. So this was around three in the morning at this time. I was going north and then I looked in the rearview mirror and then I seen lights. And I said, you guys are following us. What do I do? Where do I go? They said, just go fast, just try and lose them, just try and lose them. So I stepped on the gas and I looked in the rearview mirror and I seen it stop. We heard a shot. Hi, this is Ross, the host of Smells Like Humans, a show about interesting and quirky human behavior. We bring humor, empathy, and warmth to topics such as relationships, dating, work, self-compassion, weddings, phobias, aging parents, travel mishaps, death, and many more. Ever wonder what happens at a cuddle party? We talk about it. Free-range kids in restaurants? We've got some thoughts. Bedtime stories for adults? We're on it. Light, fun, unscripted conversation and personal stories? Please join us by clicking the link in the show notes. 
Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. In the rearview mirror, Brianna was horrified to see that Cody and Brandon had gotten into Cody's white Volvo and were following them. Cody was driving the Volvo. Now she tried to lose them within the streets of Strathmore, but wasn't able to. So she got on the highway on highway 817 near the 22 X leading back to Sasiska nation. Brandon then ordered Cody to stop the truck, which he did on the side of the highway, thinking that was the end of it. Instead, Brandon got out of the Volvo and pointed the gun at the fleeing truck. Now, apparently, according to the statement of facts, there were other passengers in the Volvo that Cody was driving. One was confirmed to be Cody's girlfriend, but they are unnamed and I couldn't find any information about charges towards any of them. It was reported that one of these passengers told police that Brandon held up a bullet and asked them, where should I shoot it? But I can't confirm that testimony. Meanwhile, in Brianna's truck, Christian was in the back seat ordering everyone to keep their heads down to avoid any shots. They were initially really relieved to see in the rearview mirror that Cody's car had slowed down and was stopping. But a shot ran out from about 20 to 30 feet behind them, according to Riley. Unfortunately, that single bullet ripped through the tailgate of the truck, traveled through a hockey bag stored in the bed of the truck, through the truck's cab and the passenger seat, and struck Christian through the chest. Realizing that her friend had been hit, Brianna slammed on the brakes, and Brooker got out and tried to do CPR on Christian while the police and ambulance were called. And then I pulled him on and I started doing the CPR on the seat, and then, I don't know, I, myself, I kind of knew he was gone there. It's just, I just felt him. It's crazy how I could, like, my best friend died in my arms. Meanwhile, Cody, Brandon, and his passengers dropped them and Brandon off at his apartment and then headed to Calgary with his girlfriend, still in the car with him. He was stopped by police before he made it to Calgary and immediately confessed to the shooting incident and his role in it. Sadly, Christian the bridge to reconciliation hockey star and dance champion died on the side of the road before he could be transported to the hospital. An autopsy was done, of course, and ruled the manner of death as a homicide. A vigil was held at Kinsman Park in Strathmore with over 300 people in attendance. One such person was Strathmore's mayor, Pat Fuel. In a letter to the local paper, he wrote, quote, Until we can admit that racism is here, and due to the recent murder our neighbors now worry about coming to Strathmore, we can't improve. End quote. To which he faced, actually, for saying that, a lot of criticism. But he told Connie Walker of the CBC News, I was worried about the controversy, controversy but sometimes you have to do the right thing even if the right thing is the most painful or difficult thing to do. After the shooting, tensions were pretty high between Sasiska people and the people in Strathmore, but Melody 
Christian's mom really tried to calm the waters despite the grief that she was personally dealing with. I didn't want our community to be afraid or feel scared. Showing them that, no, you can keep your head up. Be proud of who you are. Be proud of where you come from. We belong here. She said, quote, my son's life was taken in the wrong way, but this isn't the way we're going to deal with it. Not with revenge. We weren't taught like that. I hope that this can change the future for First Nations because so much injustice towards First Nations and times need to change. Maybe this is one of the cases that can make that change happen, end quote. In November of 2019, Christian's former teammates of the Wheatland Kings gathered at the Strathmore Family Center Arena and retired his number 11 jersey, complete with a drumming ceremony. Melody was presented with an alumni jersey signed by at one time by her son and all of his former teammates. Cody was initially charged with first-degree murder, which was then downgraded to manslaughter in and around February of 2020. In August 2019, he was released on bail to await his trial. Melody was a bit shocked and in disbelief at that decision, but she still had faith that she was going to see justice, stating, There's government changes across Canada in regards to the Truth and Reconciliation Commission and with the judicial system. I do have faith in the Crown that they will do what the best that they can do. Maybe it takes my son's life to make the world change. The way people will see his true nature about how First Nations are because there are good people out there and my son was a very great man. But Reuben Breaker, who's a member of the Sasiska Council, said, if one of our boys had murdered a non-Native boy, we wouldn't have even been accessed to bail, let alone granted bail. And I can't say I would disagree with what I have seen with the justice system here in Canada. So he was out on bail at the time of the preliminary hearing, but he entered a guilty plea August 13th, 2020, two days before that preliminary trial was to start. That hearing was overseen by Justice Suzanne Bensler, and the pros- prosecutor in that case was Linda Levescu. None of the admissions of Cody could be used in the trial for Brandon. I could find next to nothing on any background information on either Cody or Brandon, but reports say that Cody and Brandon were white but they claimed indigenous in the courts to refute that it was a crime of racism. So a Gladue report to examine their background was ordered. What is a Gladue report, you ask? I ask that too. According to Wikipedia, it is a pre-sentencing or bail hearing report that can be requested by a Canadian court when considering a sentence for someone of Indigenous background. Under Section 718.2e of the Criminal Code, Uh, Now, I'm just going to read this directly from the website itself. The amendment specifically aimed to address Aboriginal overrepresentation and stated that in order to determine an appropriate sentence, the judge must consider the background of the accused as these can often be mitigating factors. The court found that the rate of incarceration for Aboriginal offenders was extremely high and hoped that these amendments would provide some alternatives to imprisonment. Section 718.2e of the Criminal Code was changed to dictate that all available sanctions other than imprisonment that are reasonable in the circumstances should be considered for all offenders with particular attention to the circumstances of Aboriginal offenders. Under this amendment, correctional decision makers must take into account Aboriginal social history in situations where their liberty is at stake. 
The factors include the effects of the residential school system, experience in the child welfare and adoption system, effects of dislocation and dispossession of of Aboriginal peoples, level or lack of formal education and poverty and poor living conditions. Now, a Gladue report, according to the Cree Nation, is compiled by the Cree Nation itself with recommendations, and in order for the court to order such a report be completed, the accused must be an Aboriginal person covered under Section 25 of the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms. The objective of the Gladue report is to review the historical, systemic, and the individual factors that may have led to the accused's presence before the court and to propose, wherever applicable, a range of options adapted to the accused needs. So this report does not make a a link, um, any kind of causal link between the crime and the factors um, that it describes in its report. Its goal is to determine a fair, appropriate sentence while paying particular attention to the circumstances of an Aboriginal offender and the actual options available that may increase the likelihood of dealing with the underlying causes for the crime in a comprehensive and fair way and, in po- if possible, prevent reoffending. Now, having said all of that, that report and any findings from it are never mentioned again in any of the documents that I could find. So I'm going to speculate here that the report didn't really come back with anything of note. Uh, based on the statements of Brianna, I'm going to assume that they were pretty white, if not fully white, and any part of them that was Aboriginal or Métis did not result in any mitigating factors that would come from such a report. So Cody was given a four-year sentence. Melody basically said that the sentence was not, it was out of her control, so there wasn't anything that she could do about it. She said, our community is our strength. Christian was our strength. He touched everyone in our community, not only Sasiska, but Strathmore, but all First Nations in Canada and the United States. This touched everybody. But I want this to be a turning point for everyone to move forward in a good way. Um, although she did reference Christian's killing as being hunted down like a frightened animal. Now, Melody gave a victim impact statement that in part read, Cody, you are the reason my son is not here today. He is gone. My boy, my baby, my firstborn precious child. How could you not like my boy? If you had let yourself get to know him, you would have loved him too, like everyone else. Now, Cody, in his statement to the court and family said, quote, I am very sorry for all of my actions and I'm beyond sorry for any pain. I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. End quote. Melody said that she will live with her grief for the rest of her life, but that being raised in the Blackfoot way, you treat others the way that you would want to be treated. Now, Brandon turned himself in two days after the shooting and decided to plead not guilty to the charges of first-degree murder and faced a trial. Unlike his brother, he was denied bail. In June 2021, on the first day of the trial, his lawyer, Derek Jugnoth, tried to tell the court that he didn't mean to kill Christian, so it should be downgraded to manslaughter, but the court rejected that and said that the trial for first-degree murder was going to go ahead. Now, Derek Jugnock said that the evidence that they had against Brandon didn't prove that he intended to hit Christian when he shot at their truck that was fleeing on a dark highway. I'm just going to 
pause here and let you think about that statement. He says, quote, it was a very unlucky shot and he should only be convicted of manslaughter. I anticipate that the Crown will argue that Mr. Giffen is a hunter and was hunting that night. I suggest that's convenient for a headline, but inconsistent with the evidence as it might be obvious to you by Mr. Giffen's willingness to plead guilty to manslaughter this morning, it's not an issue whether Mr. Giffen fired the round. What's at issue is his state of mind. Now, the prosecutor, Linda Levisku, argued that he did intend actually to hit um, someone, uh, which would make it murder, and the fact that they chased the truck made it first degree. He was found guilty of manslaughter as well, rather than first degree. And Justice Robert Hall said, quote, I cannot conclude beyond a reasonable doubt that the accused subjectively knew it was likely that death would result from him firing the rifle. Aiming and shooting the rifle was a shameful and reckless decision by the accused, but I cannot say that the accused knew that death was the likely consequence of his of him doing so. My finding does not excuse the accused for his actions, and it does not absolve him. He said that Brandon was sober at the time and an experienced hunter, knowing there was a risk of, of death if the bullet hit the truck. The rifle was deadly and significantly long range. He aimed at the truck and he pulled the trigger. As a hunter, he knew how incredibly dangerous it is to aim and fire a rifle in anyone's direction. However, the shot was taken at a distance of what I found to be 150 to 200 yards in the dark of night at a truck that was speeding away from the accused. As I have found, the accused intended to hit the truck, but I seriously doubt that the accused expected to hit the truck. The accused states he pulled the trigger to scare them. He didn't even mean to hit the car. <laughs> Now, in my researching journey, I came across this young man, a fellow Canadian on YouTube, with a channel called Bothered Boy, which you can find on YouTube or on Apple Podcasts, um, and he was kind enough to give me permission to use his comments. It is an opinion-based channel, and in what I have seen of the videos that I've watched, he does research his position pretty well, but again, it is opinion-based. So I'm just putting that disclaimer there, so if, in case you go watch them and you may not agree with all the things that bother him to the same degree. So this is what he says in response to Justice Hall's comments on Brandon Giffen's conviction of manslaughter. So, a couple things here. I am a firearms owner. I know a Canadian left winger with guns. That doesn't happen very often. But one of the things that was drilled into me early on was never, ever aim your rifle at anything you are not prepared to shoot and never, ever aim it at people. Also, there's clear regulations stating that using a rifle against a person is seen as an unnecessary escalation of force. And yet here's this judge saying, well, you know, the, that was very bad of you. That was very irresponsible. But did you actually intend to hit someone? Dude, he was aiming at a truck. Oh, I'm just going to try and clear the bow, even though it's night and I can't see my target. That's the other thing they love to drill into our heads with regards to firearms information and safety. Consider your target. What's behind the target? This should be common basic stuff. And yet here this judge is clearly showing leniency. Like, yes, he's still charged with manslaughter and he spent some time in jail. But this whole story has gone completely under the media's radar. 
Also, think about if this was on the other foot. As this person on Twitter accurately points out, if this was reversed, if it was an indigenous man who pursued a young white man after an argument, if the indigenous man armed with a rifle chased the white man and then killed him, does anybody think the indigenous man would have been acquitted of murder? Pretty sure no. People would say, you know, no, throw the book at him. That was vicious. That was vile. Oh, terrible. Right? I don't know about the rest of you, whether you own firearms or not, but I personally would not aim at a moving vehicle with any of my firearms. Fight's over. It's done. No one has to die. If we want to have real reconciliation, then we need to start changing matters like this and taking it far more seriously. Outside the courtroom, Melody had this to say. The justice system failed again. Big, big time. We're disappointed with the verdict from the judge, but that's on him. It's on the court system. It's not on me. It's not on any of you. It's not on my children. And it's definitely not on my son. My son didn't deserve this. His life was taken wrongfully. What happened to him, he was murdered. Anyone that's going to aim a gun, any type of rifle, you get a license to go hunting. They teach you not to aim it where there are human beings. My son and his friends were chased around through Strathmore by these boys who had a hunting rifle, a high-powered hunting rifle, in their car. They didn't stop. They had numerous chances to stop, turn around, and not do this. The person that took my son's life was sober. He definitely knew what he was doing. If there's anything we can take away from today, learn from my son. We're going to walk away humbly, loving, kind, caring, the way we taught my son. We don't have to turn around and start being angry. That's a waste of energy. I'd much rather have love and joy in my life. First Nations are always, always, for years and years, always put through injustice. Times need to change. Things need to change. I hope they learn from their decisions from today. We're not here to create riots. Look at us being peaceful. Now, Brandon's defense lawyer said that Brandon was relieved that he could go home and parent his own children. Quote, there's no question Mr. Giffen is relieved with the verdict from a legal standpoint. But the reality remains the tragedy that occurred back in March of 2019. He has to live with that reality for the rest of his life, knowing that he took another's life. And then he went on to explain that manslaughter is still a conviction for an act that resulted in the culpable death of another human being but that the sentencing was pretty wide open on that. There's no mandatory life imprisonment. There's no mandatory minimum sentence, but there is a mandatory minimum sentence of four years based on that offense having occurred with a firearm. So that this was in July of 2021, and now I have been unable to find any record that his sentencing hearing has actually taken place yet. Now that could be due to COVID or possibly they are actually getting one of these Gladue reports done. But under Canadian law, manslaughter, unlike murder, doesn't result in an automatic life sentence. It does still, however, remain a possibility. And now if the life sentence is imposed, there is no mandatory minimum time served before parole eligibility. Um, now someone that gets life in prison for manslaughter is eligible for release after seven years the court can postpone that parole eligibility for a life sentence for up to 10 years at their discretion. But manslaughter usually ends with um, 
something much less than life imprisonment. And if a shotgun is being used, there's a that minimum sentence of four years will probably take place. And then parole is is available after serving one third of that four years. So we know for sure he's probably going to get four years, but eligible for parole after like one and a half years and with time served because he didn't get bail. So my guess is he's going to be getting out pretty soon and he might actually already be out. Like there might've been like a hush hush sentencing hearing where he was actually released on time served and Cody is likely already out. Just like Taylor, there has been a memorial tree planted in Fish Creek Park through McInnes and Holloway. Now, if you ever want to see the memorial forests that they have in Fish Creek, they're in a number of different areas in the park. Taylor and Christian would be in the Burns Mead area, but you can find maps and information. Um, you can Google Fish Creek Park, Fish Creek Memorial Trees. Um, now, I would suggest visiting some of the older areas like Shaw Meadows or the Lafarge Meadows for the most bang for your walking buck because the trees in the area, say where Taylor and Christian are, I mean, they're, they're tiny little trees. There's not much to, to really see there uh, other than the memorial plaque that's sort of at the beginning of the trail. But if you go to some of the older ones, those trees are much more mature. So they're just there's just more to see. On March 17th, 2022, on the third anniversary of his death, there was a memorial monument unveiled in Strathmore. The town of Strathmore operations manager, Donna McCollum, said, It's been at least a year in the making now. Basically, I started working with Estokomomi, and we had a similar idea about the healing garden. As part of the anti-racism campaign, we had talked about doing a memorial for Christian, a young man. She introduced me to Melody. And then Melody and I started talking from there about what she wanted to see in the memorial. Melody said, um, for her part, she said, my message from this to the world to learn about each other and for people to learn about First Nations so that this doesn't ever happen again. My biggest thing is for everyone to learn from Christian, a young man, my baby boy, to lead by example, to change the world. <laughs> Strathmore first asked and Six Council asked me what I wanted to see. The first thing that came to mind is I want a great big huge rock by that lake where this all began. And that will be Strathmore's mark in stone set against racism. Now that memorial is, it's like a, it's a large stone. There's a picture of Christian on it in his full dance gear that says lead by example and i hope that this can change the future for first nations because there's so much injustice towards first nations and times need to change maybe this is one of the cases that can make that change happen and that was the murder not manslaughter of christian a young man 
Thank you again so much to Jennifer for that suggestion. I, I just really, all of you keep those ideas coming. I'm always happy to research a case for you. You can reach me on Instagram, Facebook, or by email at a million other choices at outlook.com. I do read all of your messages. It might take me a little bit to get back to you, but I definitely read them all. And thank you so much to bothered boy for sharing his thoughts with us. And again, you can find him on YouTube at Bothered Boy. Uh, he also has a podcast by the same name, and he is on Twitter and Facebook as well. And thank you all for listening. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.